Not quite, not quite. All right, we've been talking about Jesus as a church for uh, quite a while, going through this series as we go through the book of John together. And we're up to John chapter 13. And uh, we're excited to be at John chapter 13 because it enters the second part of this gospel. The first part we've focused on Jesus' public ministry from chapters 1 to 12. And uh, it spans about... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it spans like about three years, chapters 1 to 12. But then we hit chapters 13 to 18, and this is like one day <laughs> covered by all these chapters. So it's kind of, it's it's weird because you've gone through all this stuff and then one day is covered in all this writing. There's a lot of detail, but that's what we're about to enter into, Jesus' private ministry and then, of course, his death and resurrection, which I think we're behind. It's not going to line up with Easter. Wouldn't that be nice if it did? Uh, but I don't think we'll get there. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm enjoying going through the Gospel of John with you. So, cha- John chapter 13 is all about Jesus, the servant. And uh, I love this. One of my favourite uh, parts of Scripture uh, that we're going to explore today. So, when um, when you're asked what you want to be when you grow up, you know, when you're, when you're a child, everyone tends to ask you that question. Nobody really answers a servant, do they? <laughs> they say a policeman, a fireman, a... A teacher or whatever but not many would say a servant not at that young age anyway now it's not on the list of preferred or popular occupations uh, but Jesus of course had a different view of servanthood and uh, I think we've learnt by now getting up to John chapter 13 that Jesus has a different view of a lot of things to in comparison to the religious leaders of the day so Jesus's death on the cross is now close we're getting close. He had less than 24 hours left on earth. So what does he do? He spends Thursday evening demonstrating servanthood and teaching his disciples in private. This chapter begins what a lot of Bible scholars would call the upper room discourse. Sounds very official, doesn't it? You'll learn I'm not a theologian, but that's what they call it. <laughs> upper room discourse. It continues through to around chapter 17, and it's named after the place where they were, where Jesus was talking to his disciples. So um, other gospel writers recorded details of the Passover meal, but John, which is the one we're looking at, recorded Jesus' demonstration of servanthood and his teachings. So at this point, John has now slowed down. So you've got to understand, like I said, the next number of chapters, it's one day that's passing now. We've been going through lightning speed three years, and now we're at one day. So let's get started. All the scriptures will be on the screen. John chapter 13, verse 1 is where we will start. It says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. He loved them till the end. A true picture of love. You know, in a previous chapter that we finished a couple of weeks ago, we saw how Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the Sunday. Victorious, palm branches, all of that. And uh, John now skips Monday to Wednesday. Maybe there was nothing exciting there. Maybe he lost his pen. I don't know. But we skip Monday to Wednesday. We pick up the story on Thursday with the Passover dinner. And again, he notes that Jesus operates on his own timetable. Uh, You can't tell Jesus when, where, how. He's got his plan and he knows it. It's from the Father and he does what he does. Uh, So he continues to show love to his disciples through all that 
right to the very end. You know, a normal man would be crushed by fear, anxiety, knowing what's coming. If you knew you were about to die in 24 hours, you'd be crushed. Yet Jesus continues to give out love, which is so a great picture for us to learn from. So let's keep going to John chapter 13, verse 2. There we are. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So there's betrayal ahead, and we've got the gift of hindsight. We know what happens, that Judas is going to betray Jesus. And the writer, of course, when he's writing this, has the hindsight as well. He knows what's coming. And so Judas is going to betray Jesus. The food's on the table. Everyone's reclined around it, you know, comfortable. The meal was a traditional Passover um, cedar or dinner. And it helps establish the communion service like what we did earlier today, remembering the bread, the, the body broken, the, the, the juice representing the blood poured out. And it's a chance for the church to celebrate. And that's really what Jesus is leading them in here. There's no awkward indication yet from Judas. It's just that we have hindsight. So at the moment, it's like he's this, I don't know. The youth aren't in here, but they play this game called Among Us. Who's heard of Among Us? Yeah, young people putting their hands up. And there's an imposter, right? You've got to work out who the imposter is. Well, that's what this is like. It's like a big game of Among Us in the Bible. And uh, all the disciples are together and they're playing it and there's, a, there's an imposter. We know it's Judas because we're cheating, but they don't know. And uh, that's what it's like. So there's no indication that Judas is going to betray Jesus further down the track, but Satan's already put his plan in motion. That's what, that's what John is saying here. You know, Leonardo da Vinci, who likes art? A few people. He immortalized the picture of the Last Supper. I've got it up here. There you go. Beautiful artwork. And it's a famous painting. It's got all the disciples on one side of the table, almost like they're posing for the artist. But it's just how he's done it. You know, John avoids, in his gospel, John avoids the physical details and presents instead human emotions, what people are experiencing. Not what they look like, but how they felt. It's like he holds a light to the disciples' faces and you can almost see awareness flickering in their eyes. They kind of are starting to get what's about to happen. And all that Jesus has told them over the past three years is starting to settle in. And when you look at the artwork like that, you can kind of see that. that just the, the look in their eyes. The You know, you could talk about that painting for hours. And um, we could do that. Are you in a rush? Yes. <laughs> we won't do that today. Let's carry on. Verses 3 to 5. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. I like how he writes there. I love the writing. It's like Jesus so full of confidence because he knows the Father had given him everything. He knows that he came from God. He knows he's going back to God. So in uttermost confidence. He just gets up, girds himself, takes the towel. After that, he pours water into a basin and he begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. To me, this is real greatness. This is real greatness. What leader 
do you see doing this sort of thing? True leaders serve. Dictators don't get down and wash anything. They have their lemmings that do their washing for them. But Jesus demonstrates real greatness. He always had a true sense of who he was, the Bible tells us. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He had confidence. And he knew that God had given him power over everything. And with that kind of confidence, he he would do the unexpected, like this. You know, before the meal, the disciples had been arguing. If you read the, the Gospel of Luke, it goes into a bit more detail. And they're arguing over who is the greatest. And when they arrived at the house, there's no servant to wash their feet. So none of them volunteered to do this demeaning job. So in Jesus' day, people wore sandals, so their feet were pretty dirty, right? Who's got kids that don't wear shoes and their feet are pretty dirty? Yeah, there's the hand. I see the hand. I pray for your sister. My son Timothy, to keep his shoes on. Lord have mercy. They get stinky feet, I tell you. But Jesus uh, isn't deterred by stinky feet. He gets a basin of water, a towel, sits near the entrance, and, 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 and normally a servant is greeting guests with a foot washing, but instead on this day, Jesus takes this position. You know, the lowliest servant in each household was given this job of foot washing, and they didn't enjoy it because feet smelled. But it didn't deter Jesus. He took upon this task. I reckon Jesus might have got tired of waiting for one of them to volunteer, so he just said, right, I'm in. And he wanted to lead by example. Finally, he does this shocking thing. He strips down to his inner garment, the way they dressed on the day. And he does the job himself. God, the creator of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, bends the knee and washes his disciples' feet. Stinky, dirty feet, might I add. This is a powerful example of humility, which to me is true greatness. To be truly great is to be humble. When Jesus did this inferior act of washing, he he was certainly saying, that humility is the absence of pride. Humility is the absence of pride. Jesus was saying that humility is not only putting pride in your pocket, but it's getting down on your knees physically if necessary, and psychologically, which is often the hardest to do. It's displaying humility and not a spirit of pride. How do we apply this to our lives? What a good question. You know, when we think of great men and women, We don't necessarily put servants on our list straight away, do we? But God does. You know, from his viewpoint, real greatness is shown in serving others. And as Jesus taught, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. You know, I want to honour a couple of people today. One of them is not here. Where's Marion? Sleeping. Is she online, Marion? (laughs) I want to honour you today. Marion uh, has been in our church for, what, two weeks now? Not long. And uh, we run a great kids club and youth group every Friday. We have about a dozen kids from grades two to six that come to our kids club from three to five straight after school. And then we run a high school youth group from 5.30 to 7.30. And we've got over 30 teenagers coming to that. And that's a lot of hormones. As Marion discovered, I don't know if she's online, she may be. And uh, and Marion, as soon as she gets here, puts her hand up and says, I want to help, I want to be there, I want to be involved. 
Uh, and she comes down and she's there for all of Kids Club, all of youth. And without even being asked, she actually did ask beforehand, what can I do, what can I prepare? We just said, just come, just mix with the kids, get to know them. That's it, we didn't want to, put, we didn't want to scare her away. So we said, just come. And she just jumps in with the Kids Club kids and is hitting ball and kicking ball and playing with them and just being social and interacting. She's then at the high school youth, sitting down with and praying with and, and interacting with teenagers. And she's just such a blessing. What a servant heart she has to come here, be here for five minutes and just jump in. And it really helps Anita and I because we're running the program. It's hard to run and also be present and be alongside. And so that's what the blessing is. Helen Rashley also uh, comes along to our kids club and to our youth. And she's like, I can say grandma, can't I, without being insulting. Uh, she's like a grandma to the kids. You know, I turn around, we have a moment at the end of high school youth on Friday where um, I encourage the young people to get around each other and pray together and support each other. Uh, we've got non-Christians in there, so I said just, you know, talk and listen to each other if you're not going to pray, but just be there, be present and understand each other in this moment. And Helen goes straight for a young girl, I won't name who it was, uh, but it was the exact right person you needed to give a hug to. So it tells me you're in tune with the Holy Spirit because we know the story of, of that girl. And it was just such a blessing because it's things that Anita and I would like to do. Anita would love to hug that girl. But again, we're running, we're, we're, we're getting stuff done, we're, and it's hard to run and be present. So I just want to honour two great servants. And I mean, there are people in this church who do so many things, but particularly Helen and, and Marion, who we now call M, M and H, because yeah. we all need nicknames. Because I'm PJ at youth, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> Anita is neat. And so we've got M and H that have joined us. Can we just give them a hand of appreciation? <laughs> we really do appreciate the help, particularly with the high schoolers. A lot of help. Let's see, James is in that group. Bless <laughs> you, James. You're all good. You're all good. <laughs> so. Let's keep going, let's keep going. Verses 6 to 9. Then he came, if you want to help at Kids Club and Youth, now that I've explained how exciting it is, come and see me. We'll always take more helpers, particularly guys. Just putting it, just putting it out there. Just be, like, not that we don't want girl helpers, but okay, it would be good to have a guy come along. So, verses 6 to 9. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a bath. I'll take the love. And that's what he's saying. Don't stop with the feet. You know? Because he thinks he's trying to understand what Jesus is trying to do. So give me the whole up then. I'll take the ultimate wash. <laughs> Don't stop with the feet. So Peter was so shocked that Jesus would want to wash his feet. This is someone he holds in high esteem. He reveres. He's it's his teacher. Uh, and, and, and he was just shocked that this was happening. And so he strongly protested against it because Peter's a little stubborn. As usual, Jesus was teaching something beyond the surface of what was going on. He was trying to teach something a little deeper in this moment. And if Peter didn't let Jesus wash him spiritually clean, he'd never be clean from his sins. 
This is what Jesus is trying to teach. And he would not be part of his kingdom. So Peter didn't get it, though his mind stayed on physical cleaning, which is why he then upgraded and said, give me the ultimate wash. I'll take the half an hour spa bath with jacuzzi and whatever else. Massage. Yeah, massage. There. He signed up for that. So, Because Peter never did anything halfway. So he's like, okay, you're not just going to wash my feet. I want the two-hour deluxe treatment. It keeps upgrading. Uh, it was either all or nothing for him. And he went from rejecting Jesus' foot washing to asking for the whole bath. So Peter's refusal of his service was in essence a rejection of Christ in what he was trying to do in that moment and the person of Christ, who he is. You know, Jesus was saying, Peter, if you do not receive my ministry, of which this foot washing is a mere token, then you are guilty of rejecting me and cannot be my disciple. Whoa, that got deep all of a sudden, didn't it? We're talking about foot washing, and now it's, you're not accepting me. When we apply this to our lives, you know, like Peter, we usually find it hard to let others serve us, don't we? Who struggles with that? My hand's up. You know, it's all great when the pastor comes and prays and does things for you and whatever, but then when someone comes to my house to do that for me, it's not easy. I think half of you are lying. You all struggle with it. (laughs) Nervous laughter. We struggle with allowing people to come and help us, letting them in and being vulnerable and showing that we can't do it on our own. Most of us find it much easier and less embarrassing to be the one doing the serving, going to someone's place and being a blessing. We can all do that. We can't be proud when another person does something nice for us, and that's the issue. We're being humble or humbled when someone comes to do something for us. We don't have the opportunity to be proud in that moment. So the next time someone wants to do something for you, can you not protest? Oh, no, no, I'll be fine. Oh, no, no, we're all good. And let them come and be a blessing. It's why the body of Christ are knitted together. And we all have our own giftings and we all have our own, I guess, things in our world that can be a blessing to others. But can we not refuse someone to... Because you're really robbing them of their blessing. They want to come and be a blessing to you. And you're saying, no, no, I'm too proud to let you do that. Just let them. Let them come. Let them have the opportunity to come and be a blessing and be gracious. Accept it graciously and say, thank you. Thank you for humbling me. (laughs) All right, verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew he would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So not everyone was clean. Remember the game of Among Us? We're trying to find the imposter. That's what's going on. Not everyone's clean. On a physical level, most people who take you know, a shower or a bath in the morning don't take another one when they get their feet dirty. What does mum say when your feet are dirty? Go and wash your feet in the bath. She doesn't tell you to go have a complete submersion, another bath shower thing because you've had one an hour ago or whatever. <laughs> so they didn't normally do that. They just washed their feet. So let's talk about a spiritual level. On a spiritual level... When we believe in Jesus, he washes away our sins, yes? Yes. That's what the Bible teaches us. We are saved, yes? yes? When we allow him in and we ask for forgiveness, we are washed, we are clean. But when we sin after that, and we will, because we're not perfect, are we? So we're going to make mistakes. When we sin after that, we don't need to necessarily get saved again. We get a bit confused about that. We think, oh, I need Jesus to save me again. No, no. We need to ask for forgiveness. 
Because we now know that what we've done is wrong. We know that we sin. We know that we make mistakes. But we don't have to say, oh, Lord, I give my life to you. You already gave your life to him. And you've slipped up and you've made a boo-boo. You don't need to go and take a whole shower again. Different situations lead to different things, and I get that. And maybe you do need to have that experience again. But what I'm saying for the average person who gets saved and makes a mistake, we don't need to get saved again. We need to ask for forgiveness because that's what repentance is all about, having a repentant spirit and living in the way that Jesus would have us go, living a repentant life, asking for forgiveness for the things that we do wrong and receiving that forgiveness because we are saved. Amen? Amen. It's a bit controversial, isn't it? Some people are shaking in there. I want to talk to him about that. That's my understanding of the Bible. When we're saved, we can ask for forgiveness for the things that we do wrong beyond that point, and we're washed clean, forgiven of our sin. But we don't have to ask to be saved again. We don't have to invite Jesus into our heart again. He's there. We've just stuffed up because we're broken. Cool? All right, moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Not everyone was clean. Let's go to John chapter 13. Verses 12 to 13. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say very well, for so I am. Love in action. Love in action. With the salvation lesson over, Jesus returned to what he was doing, washing their feet. And as teacher and Lord or master, he was above the disciples on the social ladder, so to speak, because of his title. Yet he humbled himself and did the job of a servant, someone who's down on the bottom rung of that imaginary ladder, showing them in a practical way what love is all about. Here's a key point. In those days, out of respect for Jesus' teaching role, many called him teacher and Lord. But here Jesus is hinting at the events to come. His death is going to come and he would die for the sins of the world. And after his death and resurrection, Christians would use the word Lord to mean the one whom God had raised from the dead and placed above every other name. And that's why we call him Lord now. I would debate that teacher and Lord would be small (laughs) milk because they're seeing him as a teacher on the earth. But then when we call him Lord now because he has conquered sin and death, he deserves capital L. Capital L, Lord. Big muscles, Lord. Victorious over sin and death, Lord. And so that's the difference here. So when we're calling Jesus Lord, it's not just because he's our teacher. It's because he's victorious and gone ahead of us and, and broken the ground ahead of us, leading the way, pioneering a new way of living. And we get to follow and be part of that. <clears throat> All right, verses 14 to 15, coming to a close in just a moment. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So in other words, we have open membership for the Tower Society. (laughs) We should start one. The open membership for the Tower Society in Stanthorpe. It's a long organisation name, isn't it? It's a lot of uh, initials. O-M-4-T-T-S-S. Anyway. Notice that Jesus isn't scolding them. He tended to not do that. He wasn't like that kind of a teacher. He didn't scold them saying, shame on you. You should have humbled yourself and washed each other's feet, you bludgers. Although the disciples would have felt rebuked by his actions because he's bowing down and doing the washing, I think there was enough in that action for them to go, oh, 
Jesus was gentle and loving in how he's presenting this lesson. Now that Jesus had shown them how to serve, he expected them to follow his example. So some churches have taken Jesus' words literally and they have foot washing ceremonies and, and that's okay if that's their thing and that's what they want to do. Um, I don't feel led by the Lord to uh, have a monthly foot washing ceremony, um, but that's okay. Uh, whether we do that or not, we're to throw our pride out and humbly serve others as best we can in all that we do. So Jesus' demonstration of love and and servanthood lives on and it reminds us uh, nothing we could do for another person is beneath something that Jesus would do for them. Nothing. No matter what we feel we deserve from other people, no, no matter what we feel, no matter, we can't bend too low to help serve someone, to do something for them. Service doesn't demean your dignity. Catch this. It actually defines it. Service doesn't demean who you are. It defines who you are. Write that down somewhere because that's going to encourage you today. What you do defines who you are. And if you think you're too low to get involved in that sort of activity or that sort of um, assistance for someone, it really says something about who you are. Foot washing can take many forms. So let's lose the image of foot washing for a moment because some of you are cringing. Maybe there's, what's the fear of feet? Something, something phobia. What is it? Don't know. Anyway, let's move away from feet. Foot washing can take many forms, such as cleaning up after a party, <laughs> painting a house, walking a dog, providing a meal, doing some babysitting, the tasks may seem menial, but if we do them out of a love for Jesus, they'll be a lot easier to do. It's all in our attitude. Are we people that can lay down our pride and be humble and get involved in menial tasks like this in order to serve somebody to make their life better and perhaps even introduce them to Jesus at the end of it? Random acts of kindness. It's a good thing, isn't it? To just do something just because. And people ask, why are you doing this for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's a God that loves you, and he sent me, and I believe he's using me to do this, to be a blessing to you. And so be blessed, because God loves you. Well, you just shared the gospel. You just shared God with someone. All right. Verse 16 to 17. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So the blessing, we've touched on it already, is in the doing. You know, in the social order, servants are never above their masters, if we're talking social order. Messengers aren't above their senders. So if Jesus, the master of the universe, could serve his disciples, then his disciples in turn can serve others. In the process, they'll be blessed and made happy. I don't know about you, but when you do something kind for someone, you do kind of feel chuffed. Like, not proud, but you just feel good because you've made a difference in someone's life and, and God used you to do something. And it's just cool when God uses you. You just have this nice feeling. It's, like, it's almost like a satisfying. You can go to bed at night, put your head on the pillow and just go, ah, I'm just so glad I got to do that for that person today. <laughs> Let's ponder this as we come to a close. 
This promise that God gives us, that we'll be blessed or happy, it has two conditions. We've got to remember that as we serve, we will never be elevated to a position above our leader, Jesus. So when we do these things, it's not, we're not, the motivation to do it isn't to make Jesus happy or to get promoted in any way. It's literally just to be a blessing to someone. So we've got to keep that perspective right. And then the second thing is we've got to act on what we know and get busy serving. You know when you get the elbow? <laughs> and it's the Holy Spirit giving you that prompting of, hey, you could do something here. Anita is a cleaner now, praise the Lord, and uh, she's loving that. And we've got um, some clients uh, at uh, one of the places that has cabins. I don't want to reveal who it is, just because. Just and uh, you know Anita, some of you know, she was wearing a sleeve for a while. Um, and we were here for Sally's, a couple of weeks ago, Sally's birthday lunch thing. And I think, I don't know if it was you, Javita, or it was a few of the girl, a few of you that were here prayed for her because she's been in a lot of pain. And because she's just started cleaning, we thought, oh, maybe it's just, you know, getting used to. But it was significant pain. It was enough for her to, and I to like question, have we made a bad choice here for her to get involved in cleaning? Because it was really hurting her. She was in a lot of pain. And she'd never show up or tell you, but she was in a lot of pain. She got prayed for and... Uh, literally went to bed that night, took the sleeve off in faith. I said, God, I'm going to wake up and I just know it's going to be all healed in Jesus' name. So she wakes up the next morning and woohoo, like all good. Everything like, no tingles, she had tingles in her hands, everything, all good. So, so God heals. you got to know that. She talks about the elbow because she was at this place and the person observed, hey, you don't have your sleeve on anymore. And she goes, yeah, yeah, it's all better. Elbow. <laughs> These people don't um, have a faith in Jesus. And uh, so she felt moved to share. And she said, actually, there were some ladies at church, and I was there for a celebration, and I asked them to pray for me because I was in a lot of pain. And it worked! And <laughs> she does this. And this person was like, oh, oh, oh. She, this person is not usually speechless. They, had, they, didn't, they had no words because they couldn't. They were just caught in that moment of how do I explain this rationally uh, or understand it or and, and, and they couldn't. So it was just, oh, oh. <laughs> That's the elbow. We've got to act on what we know and get busy serving. If God prompts you to do something for someone, follow that prompting. It's the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, you know, that person needs a brighter day. That person needs to hear about me. Just jump in and do whatever it is you feel led to do. You know, sitting around talking about the great things we could do for Christ just doesn't cut it. I mean, I love talking like that. We could do this. We could do that. But to be blessed or made happy, we have to roll up our sleeves and get dirty and actually get some stuff done and be a blessing to some people. So Jesus' act of not washing, um, Jesus' act of the washing, it gave dignity to the service. So before Jesus did it, it was like the lowest of the low act you could do, like the, the, the lowest servant in the house would do. In steps Jesus up here, lowers himself, pride in his pocket, humility on display. And now this task all of a sudden is like, gee, what an honour to wash somebody's feet. What an honour to... It's shifted, hasn't it? So we could be the ones to help shift these menial tasks from a place of, oh, they're really lowly things to do to, what an honour it is to come and 
walk your dog for you, mow your lawn for you, wash your car for you, pay for your fuel for you, whatever it is that God puts on your heart to do. It gives dignity to the service. And then Jesus throws in this bonus of real joy and satisfaction afterwards when you've finished serving. To finish today, we're going to look at the screen at a video.
to go back to perhaps what you've once been like, where you would follow those promptings and those nudgings and you would go and serve and you would go and make a difference. And, but life's gotten busy perhaps and, and that focus has been removed from who you are. Well, I'm going to believe today for a stirring and that this community is going to be touched by Christians that have a refreshing experience of the Holy Spirit and that prompting and nudging that's leading them and guiding them to be a blessing to people in our community. If you listen for the voice, you will hear the voice and you will be led to some amazing opportunities and amazing encounters that God will lead you to. So in this moment, let's bow our heads. If you're online, don't tune out. This is about you as well. We want to see people say yes to Jesus. And you have that opportunity now to accept him. And the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to invite people to make that choice today. Maybe you've made the choice before, but you've gone away from the things of God. Well, today is your day to make that recommitment to Jesus. Put your hand up and say, you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need a saviour. I need someone to come and carry that burden, that weight that I've carried for so long. And I need to be free from those chains of sin, of disappointment, bad choices. Nothing can free you from those things other than Jesus. The world tries to fill that gap with other things. But it's only Jesus who can save. And so if that's you in this moment, we just want to pray a prayer together as a church. But I want to know who I'm praying for. So would you just show me your hand if that's you? And there's hands going up. People at home, I can't see you, but you can lift up your hands and and God can acknowledge you. Yeah, I see the hands over here. That's great. People committing their lives to Christ. Let's pray this together, church, and uh, ask Jesus to just come and take that rightful place in our lives. So, dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died for me. I confess with my mouth, you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead so that I could be saved. I could be forgiven. So I choose to live this new life that you so graciously offer me when I say yes to you. So be my Lord. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God and praise Him for people making that decision today? Now, if today's message has spoken to you and maybe there's a Holy Spirit elbow nudging you, would you just stand in His presence right now? Just stand. Just stand. and Just close your eyes and just fix your heart and your eyes on Jesus in this moment. I want to pray for you that God would bless you, that God would encourage you, that God would use you mightily. Our town needs to hear about Jesus. There are people in our community. We're a growing community. People are moving here in their droves. We need to be sharing the message of Jesus. And what better way to share His love than in our actions and deeds and things that we do. We want people to look at us and go, why are you doing that? Why are you always so happy? Well, I'm glad you asked. And then you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So Father God, you see these people standing in your presence. They all have hearts to want to serve you. 
Lord, I just pray for, for a, an increase yes. in the volume of your voice into our hearts. Lord, may we be listening ever so carefully as you lead us and guide us, Lord, for opportunities to serve you, to serve others. And in serving others, we're ultimately serving you. God, we want you to be glorified in our communities and in all that we do. So help us, Lord. Help us, lead us, guide us. Show us ways to be a blessing in our community to others, to people that don't know you. And give us the boldness, Lord, when the time comes to share of your goodness in our lives. Because you are so good. You are so good, Lord. You've been so good to us. How can we not share this great news with other people? And so, Father, we just thank you in this moment for the power of your Holy Spirit that resides in each of us, that will lead us and guide us this week, go before us, behind us, around about us. Lord, give us wisdom, help us make good choices. And Lord, help us just to lean in on your presence, even just that little bit more this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Enjoy coffee together and fellowship and get around those pictures and dream about our building and seek God this week about how you want to be part of that with us. And uh, let's have a blessed rest of our Sunday. God bless you.